0: okay there we go all right here we go hey yo i'm ck and you're listening to practice i'm your functional systems integrator and this is my podcast where practice is not just the theme of the show but also the whole purpose behind it i'm using this platform to practice podcasting and just speaking in general while espousing half thoughts and providing unsolicited advice so I'll be talking about my experience with this process, along with various lifestyle practices, as well as theories and ideas behind the virtue of practice itself. I tend to talk a lot about science and philosophies, especially around complex systems and mindset. So I hope you'll find some interest in that. And as always, we're here with my practice partner and partner in life, Pam. Hey everybody. And for more information about this whole process and project and detailed show notes, check out forcesofequal.com slash practice. So we're here back. It's another week. Today is Sunday, March 29th, 2020. And this is our fifth recording session. And things are just rolling along. And, you know, it's kind of slow going. I actually haven't... Well, I don't know if anyone's even listened to these episodes yet. But I finally got around to... Publishing the first three which I've designated as my warm-up episodes. So those are out there in the wild. I haven't really publicized them, so I don't even know if anyone's listened to them yet or not, and I was hoping to get last week's episode published before we started today's session, but, you know, things got pushed back and other things happened and other priorities came up, so we're pushing that back once again. But now I am getting the workflow down and I have a lot of the basic processes and tools that I need to use settled. So things are going to be turning up, churning out much faster in the upcoming weeks. And I'm thinking I'll be able to get these, this episode and the previous episode up This coming week hopefully within the next day or two and then from there i think i i'll be all caught up and i'll be able to do this on a more timely basis and release these episodes as they happen or more closely to when they happen so the goal is to release them the day after we record the session and eventually i may get to a point where i'll be able to release them the day of recording I'm not sure how that's working out, uh, so I'm thinking I could release them the day of recording and then work on the show notes and have those available within the next day or two after recording because though it takes a little bit of time, I have to listen back to the episode and kind of correct some of the transcription and add my own commentary and links to additional resources and stuff like that. And I don't know if I necessarily want to do that after these sessions because this is my weekend and I want to enjoy the weekend. So we'll see how that goes, but those are my thoughts for now. And what do you think about that, Tim?
1: Um, I think that it brings up a really good point, which is that everything takes longer than you think it's going to. Yeah. So we've talked about like every week that you're like, okay, and I'm going to publish. And the idea of publishing you look at it and you go, okay, I just have to like push a button or whatever. But mm-hmm. when you're learning something new, you have no idea what actually goes into that new thing that you're doing. And like right. every little step, you you uncover something else. Oh, I have to do that first. I have to do that first. And it can get really frustrating because yeah. you keep like, you're like, I just want to get this thing done. And there's all these roadblocks or like new things that you hadn't anticipated. And and that it's really important to understand that especially at the beginning of a new process, everything is going to take longer than you think it's going to. And that's totally normal and totally natural.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to mention just that actually, and how I personally know that I have an a severe optimism bias.
1: (laughs) Yes, you do.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, the way I plan things out, I know that I tend to think that I'll get things done a lot sooner than I actually do. So, in my work, I've learned to work that in, and I've kind of found that things tend to take five times longer than I usually think they do with my work, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a lot. But once I started incorporating that mindset and giving clients a more accurate timeframe for things that I was totally inaccurate about before, it's made things a lot easier in terms of the client management in one aspect. And then of course, in another aspect, the way that I proceed with my work, And, you know, I I don't get hung up on the timeline and having to spend time on something or having to rush something Mm -hmm. because, you know, I set this unrealistic timeline for myself. So uh, with my work, I've learned to incorporate the five times longer rule and it's worked and it's actually kind of crossed over to this where this took, pretty much five times longer than I thought it would to release, you know, because I thought I'd get the first episode out within the first week that I recorded. Yeah. And now we're on the fifth session. So, I mean, it's pretty accurate with my patterns. So something to think about there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you are aware of certain biases and patterns of thought that you fall into, it's, great to be aware of that and be mindful of that because then you can adjust your thinking or adjust the way that you process things or even zooming out further than that, kind of adjust maybe the things around you to remind yourself of how you go about these things in an unrealistic or irrational manner hmm. so that you can put certain things in place or reminders or cues in place to keep you alert about these tendencies and then you can adapt appropriately from there. So, you know, whether it's like a sticky note somewhere to remind yourself to remember these kind of things or something else about your environment to kind of interrupt your patterns and change up or kind of force you to realize or think a different way is always good in terms of getting you out of certain habits that you might not be aware that you're falling into. Does that make sense?
1: It does. That's good advice. And I think um, being aware and making conscious decisions to change your patterns is super important Mm -hmm. and along the like hand in hand with that is just giving yourself a little grace like not getting frustrated with yourself when things do take longer, especially when you're learning a new thing.
0: Right, exactly. And that's the other thing is all this is brand new to me. And, you know, I've never recorded a podcast before, or I mean, we've done some recording sessions and stuff like that. But, you know, I've never published a podcast before. And so I'm learning the software and the workflow and best practices and you know i'm developing the website and figuring out how to format the content and then i'm also doing the music for it or trying to do the music for it so with these first three warm-up episodes i released you know i was really hoping to be able to, to create some intro and outro music for it and on that side of the coin, I'm learning all new instruments. So this it's a total departure from what I know of music before, where I I guess you could say I, w- I was more of an analog music player, you know, I played instruments like the saxophone and the guitar and, you know, it may be an electric guitar, but it's still hardware kind of on the analog side of the spectrum. Or, you know, the piano or the drums. And now I'm trying to learn to play music electronically and the production side of it and sampling and sequencing and learning these digital audio workstation software and stuff like that. So I'm learning so many new things and having to do that in order to produce this podcast and so I have to remember to consider all that and realize that, you know, this is stuff that I don't know. Like, I I don't know what I'm doing. So kind of getting over the mindset of, you know, I I can't publish or be putting stuff out there if it's like half done or unfinished or unpolished is an interesting process Uh, it's an interesting part of this journey because uh, we've talked about many times before already that I've been stuck in a preparation mode and haven't gotten into action but now that I, I am and you know I have the first episodes published and out there it's totally changed my mindset and like I'm much more comfortable now of where I am and how I'm going about things and how I present things to the outside world and just the mentality that I had in creating things and the potential of other people consuming it. So I don't know exactly how to verbalize my feelings or mindset around this, but I think I've stumbled onto something really beneficial here in terms of just this whole process with this podcast in terms of getting myself to kind of talk more on the fly and, you know, with the notion of the other people hearing me and just putting myself out there and, you know, all those things. It's just, uh, it's all new to me and now it's, it's fun for me. And the whole process, like if I was thinking about this, the way I would have been thinking about this like four or five weeks ago is a lot different from how I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> and even now, like even coming into this today for this session, I'm a lot less anxious about talking and what I'm going to talk about. And a lot of that has to do with uh, having done these uh, uh, sessions for the past couple of weeks and putting in the practice so I mean this whole thing has been so beneficial and I hope that I'm able to convey that well enough so that other people can take something away from this and hopefully help themselves in a similar fashion or some other way that this whole process sparks me too (laughs) so in the introduction, you may have mentioned me saying that I'm a functional systems integrator, and I want to kind of clarify what that is. Yes, first please. Of all, Yeah, I made it up. So I'm not even sure exactly what it is, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> have. So have, do you know anything about this at L-Pan?
1: Uh No, when you said those three words, I was like, okay, cool, CK made okay. up
0: something. <laughs> So, yeah, so this is what I do. Like, I'm <laughs> all fascinated with language and stuff, like I mentioned before, and complex systems is a big thing. And like when, I, when people ask me what I do for work and stuff like that, it's so difficult for me to answer that because there's like, I do a lot of different things and I've done a lot of different things. And to me, it's more about how I do things because the things that I do kind of span a bunch of different industries. So functional systems integration is something that I kind of made up to encompass what I do. And it's I'm not necessarily expecting it to be like a mainstream title or anything like that. It's just, I want to get that idea out there. And it has a lot to do with so how I define it right now is it's a philosophy that encompasses the complex systems of progressing toward ideal outcomes in any situation in a practical and efficient manner. And okay. there's a lot of points that go into that. And I have this written out on my personal website at ckdisco.com fsi for functional systems integration. And so you can check it out there. But I'll go through the points real quick. Uh, There's more explanation on that page that I just mentioned. But I surmise the following to be the foundational qualities that make for a functional systems integrator. And those are exploratory curiosity, conceptual proficiency, contextual relativity, experiential diversity, situational variability, And sustainable adaptability and it all goes into seeing things from a systems perspective Mm -hmm. so I've mentioned complex systems before and how things don't just occur in a vacuum there's a lot of different things that affect it and many variables that you have to consider and so it has a lot to do with considering systems and taking a strategic, like a longer-term strategic view of things, instead of you know immediate immediate gratification per se, or you know immediate results, it's a more systematic, st- strategic view on long-term effects. So,
1: so it's more more, more holistic.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, you can read about all that stuff more on ckdisco.com slash FSI. And I, you know, it's just, I want to try to clear up how I think, or, you know, that's like, I have so much trouble, like, explaining how I think about things, even in terms of the work I do. And that's only because, well, one reason is because... I have been lacking in the interactions that I've had, I guess, over the past few years in terms of me being more reserved with my communication. So that, you know, that's a big reason I want to do this practice is to be more comfortable with speaking and conversing. And so, yeah, I want to do that. And one of the reasons is I want to be able to convey my thoughts and, like I was saying, what I do and how I do it in a more informative or understandable manner. And I, you know, want to be understood in order to offer perspective and interface with the world. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know if, if I want to <laughs> get into that. We need to start that.
1: with you not saying interface with the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that language. But, you know, we uh, I'm sure we'll be getting into that a lot more as time goes on. But, you know, the whole thing, like I like, I like to philosophize around language because that's the way we, that's the, you know, main way that we communicate with, with each other. But the thing is, if you think about it, all language in some sense is metaphor. Like if you think about it on a spectrum, the way that you communicate something is the way, first of all, it goes through your own filter of cognition. So Mm -hmm. it goes through the filter of how you think about it. So it's not necessarily how it is, it's how you perceive it to be. So you're trying to, by, let's say by talking about something, you're trying to convey that in terms of how that something relates to you. So it's not necessarily exactly what that something is, that something could be different to someone else. So it's not necessarily hundred percent fact or truth. It's on a spectrum of how that's filtered through your thoughts. So in that sense is what I'm thinking of in terms of how language is metaphor, like all language is metaphor. Okay. So I don't know if I express that accurately enough or if that makes total sense. (laughs) But I think the whole thing I'm trying to say here is that we get... We could get confused or, or you know, if we take everything someone says as fact or, you know, without, like, considering why they're saying it or how that was filtered through them in order for them to convey it that way, mm-hmm. then, you know, we could fall into a cycle of metaphorical information that gets further and further away from the actual reality or the truth or the fact.
1: And there's, (laughs) there's also the layer of, um, your perspective and your perception that you are, um, projecting onto what they said. So on both sides, there's no fact.
0: There's no truth. Yeah. There's that too like that opens up a whole other perspective of it (laughs) next time on practice (laughs) (laughs) yeah well uh, i mean this is stuff that i think about so right now i'm so interested in language that i'm learning korean i'm learning latin Uh, i don't think you know this but i'm also learning hebrew
1: (laughs) i did not know that
0: (laughs) yeah um but i don't know that's uh, it's really hard you're not learning spanish anymore Uh, I have that. Uh, I'm not actively learning it right now. I'm waiting to finish one level of Latin and then maybe I'll go back to Spanish. I also have German in there too, but I'm not actively (laughs) learning that. But, you know, I'm learning these different languages and I'm also looking at music as a formal language. Mm -hmm. So, with all the stuff I'm learning about music, uh, that's all going into it too. So, yeah, I'm totally fascinated with how language is shaping our thoughts. And so that's just kind of, you know, that's going to come up a lot during these podcasts. And mm-hmm. hopefully I'll be able to convey my perspectives and ideas on that a little better as time goes on. But yeah, I mean, if anybody out there has any questions or interesting insights on language, uh, throw them at us. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear all that, any anything around that kind of stuff. So let's see. I guess uh, all of this is just kind of an example of my interdisciplinary system strategy mindset so like i in terms of complex systems and the way that i work it's more of how i work and how i think about things in systems terms or strategic terms and it that's kind of like a the foundation of how i think and then i can take that across any discipline so you know every and Uh, You could apply systems and strategies to anything, really. And it's all about, like, different perspectives and variables and just seeing different levels of things and how everything affects something instead of something being, like, binary or whatnot. I wrote a little note down here. I'm not sure exactly how accurately this will relate to what I'm talking about, but hopefully to give a picture to people about this thought process. We were watching uh, This Is Us, the TV show on NBC this a couple days ago, and great show, we love it, it's awesome. You guys should check it out if you don't watch it, but it's a very well done drama, is it? Would you yeah. say? Yeah, drama. Yeah, drama, like it's a family drama. I definitely and cry a lot. Yeah, it inter- <laughs> intersperses the timeline really well of the past, present, past and present. And I don't know if it's future or just more present. But But yeah, it's a great show. Check it out. This is us. I think it's on NBC. Mm -hmm. But Randall, one of the main characters, it's a show about a family and there's three siblings. And Randall, one of the siblings, he goes to therapy because he's having a ton of anxiety about life and, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys everything about the show, but so he goes to therapy and he's a very smart, very type A, uh, He's you know, he's on he's got to be on top of everything. Control freak. Yeah, he's a total control freak. And so he's in therapy trying to calm, curb his anxiety and he keeps interrupting the therapist or kind of doing his own self analysis and kind of throwing that back at the therapist. And, you know, as therapist do, she's taking it and she's calm and she finally comes back at him and tells him that, you know, her job is basically just comes down to two things. It's making observations And asking questions and I was like oh my god like so I'm a very first principles thinker and so I'm like oh man first principles of therapy that makes so much sense making observations and asking questions and then that immediately flashed me over to Chris Voss's masterclass on negotiation and Chris Voss he was a former FBI negotiator And he has this masterclass and it's awesome. He just talks about the different theories and practices for negotiating. And now he does this for businesses and like CEOs and stuff like that. And his two fundamental principles of negotiation are labeling and mirroring. And labeling is basically making observations and mirroring is asking questions. And so I notice how these elements of therapy and negotiation totally cross over and they're, you know, in terms of first principles, it's the same strategy. And so that's kind of, I guess that's kind of an example of how I noticed patterns, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and these systems across different disciplines so I don't know, does that kind of clear up my, the way I think?
1: <laughs> I don't know if it clears anything up, but it, um, it shows how uh, there's so much in life that we maybe complicate or um, think of as a unique situation or a specific job or a specific task or skill. And that at the, at the baseline, there's very few things that we as humans actually do and that the same things, the same patterns happen over and over again in all of these different jobs and all of these different skills and all these different interactions. We're like doing the same thing over and over again, just in different ways.
0: Right. Yeah. And I guess my thing is noticing these patterns and, 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 you know, And while there may be patterns that are similar, one discipline may be more advanced or have a different way of going about that pattern. And that can inform the other discipline of possibly how to proceed in a better way or, you know, think about things differently. So that's what I like doing. I like seeing these patterns in the systems and seeing how they can improve and seeing if it can improve something across in a different discipline or a different system or something like that.
1: It's really funny that you um, bring this up today and that this is what we're talking about. Because as I was changing the sheets this morning, I was (laughs) thinking about how there's this idea that when you get better at anything, you get better at everything, kind of Mm -hmm. like developing new skills in a completely different area makes you better at other things in your life. You could, like, learn an instrument and something that you learn from that, whether it's that you need to practice or, you know, whatever it is, you, you learn a skill, but at the same time you are learning processes and systems that you bring over into other areas of your life and that all all learning benefits your entire life.
0: Yeah, totally. And that kind of goes into like, I, I still so want to talk about complex systems and hierarchies and where that kind of falls under, but well, I have to save that for a later time, because I can't believe I've just been talking for almost half an hour already. <laughs> and so, I wanted to keep these episodes to about half an hour, and I still kind of do. But this one, I cut the last one a little short. I still had more to talk about. So, this one, I'm just going to keep going for now. But I think, you know, moving forward, I still want to try to keep in the half an hour and that's, you know, I get feedback and you guys want to hear more. But what I'm thinking now is, you know, I have a lot more stuff that I want to talk about and moving forward, I'll try to keep it the half an hour. And maybe if I have more to talk about, then I'll figure out some way to share it, like throughout the week, like on social media or something like that. Can we
1: just take a second to appreciate that everything (laughs) takes longer than you think that it will? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, I don't know for this, if I thought it'd take longer than it. I thought it, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just...
1: That you have a plan. You had a plan for the show and we've gotten through a third of it.
0: Right, right. But I think this part might be more a factor of me being worried about not having enough to talk about. So I Mm, kind of maybe overprepared, but, you know, I, it's kind of become really easy to prepare for the next episode because as I go through the transcript and create the show notes for the previous episode, it just totally automatically informs me about what I want to talk about on the next episode. (laughs) And like, I found that I don't want to wait so long or it's hard to wait the whole week to have to talk about, to be able to talk about this stuff. So I think... It might work out where i'll share some stuff throughout the week as i go along sure and hit like maybe the bigger points during these episodes so that's just what i'm thinking now Uh, if you guys have any suggestions feel free to let me know but yeah we're keeping everything agile and adapting on the fly so it's the name of the game here and what i want to touch on now is the whole coronavirus pandemic and i touched on that last week if you listened to that episode and you may have noticed my hesitation to talk about the current state of affairs around the world but now i think it makes perfect sense for it to inform the direction of my talking points for this podcast because you know we're all in it now and everybody it's you know it's basically on the top of everybody's minds, and I know that you may want to get away from it all, but for me, my big thing with this whole podcast is to perpetuate knowledge toward happiness and fulfillment, yet that's not with just my own knowledge base, but more so through the feedback mechanisms of participating and contributing to society through this podcast. So for me, it all comes down to feedback from interactions and the whole social aspect. And this external feedback can come in various forms and they provide stimulus that we can respond to. So I'm talking about like, oh man, I don't know how deep I want to get into this, but basically I'm just talking about energy when it all comes (laughs) down to it. And energy in all forms is basically feedback that you experience. So, energy in the environment per se, which could include, you know, whether it's just energy from chemicals or air or the earth, uh, energy from your environment could also include other humans and how they affect your senses and thus your perceptions and thus your cognition and thus your actions and then further down the line your tendencies so you know all this feedback that you get from your environment can place different pressures on you and influence you in ways that could produce a variety of responses like where you set your boundaries for certain things or how you proceed with your next actions so as they say true character is revealed in the choices humans make under pressure So that pressure, whether it's adversity, like temptation, or a crisis, like the current pandemic, it kind of forces us to think about things differently. And, you know, if there's the mentality of scarcity, that kind of reveals your innate human characteristics and how you're going to behave. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: Was that was I being pedantic there?
1: Um, No, I think that uh, you're making a lot of assumptions about what people know as far as like a scarcity mindset and how that impacts the way we behave.
0: Right. Yeah. uh, So I don't know how deep we want to get into that kind of stuff, but there, you know, so all of this is my opinion. And I just want to put it out there to give people uh, perspective uh, on things. Uh, And I feel like it's a perspective that's not publicized very much, if at all. And so what I'm talking about are like my perspectives around human behavior and behavioral economics and why people are behaving the way they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And like, In terms of like abundance and scarcity, it's a mindset where, you know, you think you need to have this and there's not as much of it out there. So you need to do whatever you can to get it or, you know, you have so much or in terms of abundance, you have so much of something that, you know, you're satisfied and you don't need anything else. So, you know, you go about life in that respect. But I mean, today we're living in the most abundant era of human history in terms of like the food that's available to us and the shelter. And like life is so easy for us right now, relatively speaking. I mean, if you think about our ancestors or even a hundred years ago or even how old are we now
1: <laughs> 40
0: <laughs> okay but even like 20 30 years ago when we didn't have cell phones like
1: <laughs> <or> the internet
0: <laughs> yeah like if you think about that and how much we have now you'll start developing a totally different mindset in terms of abundance and scarcity so for example right now everybody's kind of going crazy over toilet Toilet paper paper. (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you can imagine cavemen going crazy over toilet paper (laughs) like uh, i uh, i don't know if i want to go down this road but well
1: that we're so far away from our basic needs and understanding that we we have everything that we actually need and that we got so far away from that, that this idea of a pandemic put people into a tailspin over toilet paper.
0: Right. Yeah. Like like, God forbid I have to like use a Kleenex. (laughs) Or even like a magazine or newspaper. I mean, come on, we've all done that, done that before. (laughs) I don't want to know. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I have but just the collective we. Right. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just saying like, think about what's really important for you and what you actually need. And then think about people who don't even have that stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this is a useful time to think and think from a different perspective Mm -hmm. or increase, Uh, broaden your perspective and you know things might not get back to where they were a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago yeah so you know this could be closer to our new normal than not hopefully not but i mean this isn't the last time a pandemic's gonna spread Mm -hmm. so i i mean it, I don't know that for sure, but the way things are going, it doesn't look that way. And
1: in- the scientists say that they will probably become more frequent. Yeah. So, but it gives us an opportunity to. Um, well, it's forcing us into an opportunity to rethink how we think about our resources and mm-hmm. our neighbors, and yeah. people who don't have as much as we have, and how uh, that how that affects us so it's right. it can it can still actually be a little bit of a selfish mindset because you're thinking about like i need to take care of those people who don't have as much as i do because if they get sick i get sick right but it's it's a it drives us into more of a community mindset
0: exactly yeah i love that that's a great point and i also want to touch on language here with the whole social distancing thing like i just don't like that terminology at all because we don't want to distance ourselves socially. Like we still want to be social. And the thing is, like I was saying before in terms of the abundance we have now, like back in the day, there, there was a time when we didn't have phones at all. Mm-hmm. And in order to communicate, we had to walk miles, you know.
1: Or send a letter and wait a week for
0: a response. Yeah or send smoke signals (laughs) and now we have all this technology and easy ways to communicate with people across, you know, whatever expanse from, you know, just talking to a relative in the next town over or to one on the other side of the country. And we can do this through video now and, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, of course there are benefits to in-person communication and, you know, we can get into all the chemical effects and nonverbal things and all that kind of stuff. But like, I mean, the technology that we have these days in terms of video, video phone, uh, what's
1: (laughs) (laughs) Video conferencing.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess (laughs) video calling and all that stuff. Like, and we can play like games with each other, and you know, there's just so many ways to socialize without actually being in person
1: mm-hmm.
0: that can be beneficial in times like this. That you know, we need to realize that and take advantage of that, and at the same time, realize how beneficial it is to meet in person, so that yeah. you know, when we're able to do that, you'll be more grateful for having the ability to do that. So yeah, I don't like the language of social distancing. It should be something more like physical distancing Mm -hmm. or something like that. But yeah, I mean, definitely practice the physical distancing, but also consider that all the different avenues and resources we have today in terms of how to socialize.
1: In other words, call your mom.
0: Yeah, I should do that. (laughs) Um, So, I guess I do want to name off some resources for the whole coronavirus. Oh, actually, one thing I wanted to clear up from last week is I was discussing, like, the terminology around the whole virus and disease and stuff and mentioned SARS-CoV-2. And so, let me... try to get this straight. SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus, and COVID-19 is the name of the disease that -hmm. you can get from the virus. And this is a form of a coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make that clear. Um, I think last week I just said everything they just is officially SARS-CoV-2. But that's just the for the virus specifically, and the disease is COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So now that we have that cleared up, I know that, you know, you guys might be getting bombarded with information around coronavirus from all different outlets, and, you know, how do you know what's true and what's false, and how do you know what to believe? Um, me, personally, so these are – this is kind of how I go about things, is uh, I want to – get information, Uh, I don't know how to explain this. Well, I'll just name off the resources. So I have three resources here that people can follow. And this is just the way that I like to go about things in terms of getting information. So the first one is actually a course and Coursera came out with a course on COVID-19. It's called Science Matters. Let's talk about COVID-19 and it's from the Abdul Latif, Jameel Institute for Disease and Emergency Analytics. And that's based at the Imperial College of London. And it's like one of the most, it's one of the best research colleges in the world. And they have a course, a whole course about COVID-19. And it's kind of coming out as the pandemic goes on. So like, it's not a fully fleshed out course, but it's free and the information is great. You get to hear from scientists who are looking into this like on the front lines. And so that's a like, I like getting actual information like scientific information like that instead of all these opinions and conjecture that you may see in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And so that's one. Another one is Dr. Peter Atia. And he's someone that I follow, I've been following for a while. And he's big in like the biohacking space. And I'll just read his, a uh, couple lines from his bio real quick. But basically I like him because he's kind of like, I would consider him to be a polymath. Like he's, he studies a lot. He has a, like a broad range of interests and... Another thing I really like about him is his athletic pursuits. He's big into, like, endurance athletics and stuff like extreme endurance athletics and stuff like that. Uh, So here's Peter's bio. It says, Peter trained for five years at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in general surgery, where he was the recipient of several prestigious awards. Including Resident of the Year and the author of a comprehensive review of general surgery. He also spent two years at NIH as a surgical oncology fellow at the National Cancer Institute, where his research focused on immune based therapies for melanoma. He has since been mentored by some of the most experienced and innovative lipidologists, endocrinologists, gynecologists, sleep physiologists, and longevity scientists in the United States and Canada. So, I mean, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of life experience. And so I, I really like the stuff, the content that he produces and he has a podcast, um, and they go pretty in depth and he gets like great intellectuals on his podcast, whether they're philosophers or doctors. And he recently had Sam Harris on there who is a neuroscientist and philosopher. And he also had Ryan Holiday on there recently, who's a Stoic philosopher. And there's a lot of great information in in terms of science as well as well-being that he talks about. So uh, it's great. And then he also has been doing Instagram live posts, and these have been about 10-minute posts. And he does them quite frequently, maybe almost daily now. And it's just his updates. And he's, on, he's in New York, and he's on the front lines of that whole thing in New York right now. So he's giving us daily updates and his stance on what's going on. And I would definitely recommend checking out his material if you're interested in getting information that I think is uh, some of the most in, in, inf- accurate information you can get during this time right now.
1: So watch that instead of the press conferences.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, oh, man, uh, we'll probably get into that. I'll get, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have opinions, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, the last thing is a website called covidnearyou.org. And this is a like a basically crowdsourced citizen scientist site where you can go and enter in information about yourself, whether you're experiencing symptoms or not. So this is kind of a way for you to be active yourself in terms of helping gather more data and analyzing different patterns uh, around the country or even around the world. I'm not sure exactly how far this website spans, but it's, it, this, it was basically created by epidemiologists and developers at Harvard and Boston Children's Hospital. And they produce like data maps, to help citizens and public health agencies identify current and potential hotspots for the virus. So it's a useful way, it, I mean it's useful for researchers and it could, and I mean it's an avenue for you to provide information and help the cause. So
1: I think that's uh, really um, important because we're being told that even if you're symptomatic, to just stay home and self-isolate because going to the hospital like they're already overwhelmed so right. if you're not in serious condition just stay home but that means we don't know how many people are sick so if they right. can't crowdsource this information it gives them a lot more data to work with and to also see where problems are going to be occurring so i think that's exactly. that's great
0: exactly and right now the data is key mm-hmm. like we're having so many issues with testing right now that, you know, I could get into this and the ineffectiveness of government and all that unpreparedness and stuff. That's, I don't know. I mean, I can go on that for a while. Maybe, maybe on social media, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, we need more data. That's yeah. like how we figure out how to proceed. So, mm-hmm. you know, go check out covidnearyou.org and enter in your information and help the cause, help them get more data so we, they can figure out and possibly, you know, uh, push resources to areas that need it most. So, Are you
1: supposed to do that if you're healthy or only if you're
0: symptomatic? No. Yeah. Uh, great point. Uh, it's both if you're symptomatic or if you're healthy. They want to know it all and uh, they want you to go on there regularly or more than once. So. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure of the exact details of how often they want you to check in, but go check that out. It's covidnearyou.org, and also Peter Tia's website, peteratiyahmd.com, and the course on Coursera, uh, the Coursera is at coursera.org, and you can look up the Science Matters Let's Talk About COVID-19 course there. And of course, I'll have all this stuff linked in the sh- detailed show notes. and. I guess I'm going to end it there for now. Man, we've been going on. I could still keep going. So (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy. Let me know if you guys like this extended format and if you guys want me to keep talking this much in the future. Or, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And, you know, as always, we're keeping things agile and adapting on the fly. So, thanks for joining me on this adventure of positive reflection, agile podcasting, and functional lifestyle optimization. Make sure to check out. Oh man, did <laughs> my voice crack? I did. <laughs> so this is probably I got... the
1: most that you've talked ever.
0: <laughs> so. Oh yeah, seriously, this is probably. I've been breaking records every week with these these sessions, so. So anyway, make sure to check out the detailed show notes for this episode at forcesofequal.com slash practice, and feel free to hit me up on the Twitter at ckdisco, and Pam, do you want people to hit you up?
1: Yeah, on Twitter, I'm Pamela underscore Lund.
0: Perfect, and that's all for now, so I hope you come back next week and keep on practicing.